0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 15th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Populists in Europe felt redeemed by the Donald Trump victory in the presidential race, but what kind of relationship will U.S. officials have with European governments over the next several years? Alberto Mingardi is director general of the Istituto Bruno Leone, Italy's free market think tank. He's also a Cato Institute adjunct scholar. We spoke last week about the strengthening populist movements in Italy and the rest of Europe. During the campaign, uh, when Brexit occurred against the polling, um, Donald Trump signaled that as an indication that you know uh, Great Britain was ready for a big change, and tried to sort of fold that into his own campaign of running for president. And then, when Donald Trump was elected president, other uh, so sort of European populist groups and the the, the populism as a as a more general uh, movement in various European countries also took that, took, took that to heart and viewed that as a, as a positive development. So where are we now? Start with Italy and then, and then move on with, uh, with other countries in Europe and how the, the election of Donald Trump has, has changed the political calculus.
1: The Italian populist group is uh, the Five Star Movement. The Five Star Movement is a funny new movement established by Beppe Grillo. Beppe Grillo is a former comedian turned politician, the sort of phenomenon that Italy produces from time to time. Mr. Grillo has a very different agenda than Mr. Trump. Um, He is clearly and committedly anti-business. The web platform of this movement is named Rousseau and most of the political class of the movement came out of the extreme left. And nonetheless, Mr. Grigloh was extremely happy at the election of Donald Trump because he thought likewise, you know, he signaled the fact that populist, quote-unquote, movement could be credible and could be entrusted uh, with government responsibility even in the United States of America. I think something similar happened all over Europe, for example, in France. In France, the populist movement is the Front National. The Front National is is led by Mr. Le Pen. It's a traditional right-wing nationalist movement. In Spain, uh, the situation is quite different. I mean, the national populist movement is called Podemos, and Podemos, instead, is a neo-Marxist party led by Pablo Iglesias. uh, you have a whole bunch of different kind of populism all over Europe. But clearly, all of them sense there is tremendous opportunity in the near future uh, because the political establishment, I mean, established political parties are running into deep crises of leadership and reputation and economic growth has been sluggish. Uh, all over the Eurozone and of course that that creates uh, a political demand for something different perhaps radically different. So with respect to uh, the election of Donald
0: Trump uh, even if he does not in public bolster the efforts of these uh, populist groups and as you say there they are they're varied in, in their approach to government. Uh, they've taken this to be a very positive development and has it has legitimized them in some ways.
1: Well, in some ways it did. Um, This has to do as much with Trump, with Hillary. I mean, Hillary, in many ways, was the embodiment of the political establishment, Uh, a woman with a very long political history, uh, the wife of a former president, uh, a member of the top 1%. Uh, So I mean, the fact that the embodiment of the political establishment was defeated uh, by a guy who became president of the United States with seemingly uh, very limited economic resources employed in the campaign and basically um, making a very aggressive use of social media. Well, that was something that to many people like Grillo in Italy indeed uh, resembled their dream, what they're trying to do, which is using social media as a way to give expression to concerns and fears of the electorate, and try to provide simple answer to complex problem in the age of globalization. Clearly, uh, Mr. Trump's approach to the issue of trade was perhaps the single theme upon which he found the greatest agreement And um, the theme upon which, you know, he really uh, could find some common ground with European populists that tend to be critic of the European Union and of globalization as such. To what extent are
0: European populist groups anti-American typically?
1: Most of them are. Uh, if you consider uh, Le Front National in, in, in France, clearly, uh, French nationalism is built upon a premise of anti-Americanism. Um, Podemos in Spain is a neo-Marxist group, a strong ties with Venezuela. Uh, American imperialism is one of their favorite theme. Um, the Five Star Movement is slightly different, but once again, their political class come out of the ranks of the extreme left, so they, they're strongly uh, anti-American, anti-American not in the sense of the fact that they will be happier uh, if the United States were not doing nation building around the world, anti-American in the sense that they consider globalization basically to be a conspiracy of the American government to make all of us drinking Coca-Cola. So, the the, the, the weird
0: result of, of a lot of this, given the success that these parties have had. If they continue to have success, and, and Donald Trump is uh, finding common ground with them, it seems that some of that common ground will be, let's agree not to trade with one another.
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, um, the American civil service and diplomacy and and the other people in government here uh, may develop a different appreciation of European populism. I mean, clearly, um, the man Trump likes the most is Nigel Farage, um, the leader of UKIP. Uh, There was a driving force behind uh, Brexit. But UKIP is a different sort of populism. I mean, UKIP is— very much about immigration, but also when it comes to um, basically public policies and trade uh, and liberalization, there are core Thatcherite. is not the case with uh, the Five Star Movement in Italy, Podemos in in Spain, Uh, the Northern League in Italy, which is another nationalist party uh, that has a very strong uh, populistic attitude these days. And I think, you know, well, I suppose that at the end of the day, the American government will find it very difficult to deal with them, and it will be—you know—it will be difficult to build the consensus. I, I don't see um, an international society of populists uh, developing in the near future because it will be kind of a contradiction in terms. I mean, all, all these people uh, tend to be extreme nationalists, parochial nationalists. One thing they have in common, though, and, and the thing they do have in common is the fact that nationalism is also a weapon in the defense of the welfare state.
0: So, uh, you talked about, uh, in Italy, the uh, referendum that uh, forced out the Prime Minister Renzi there. Um,
1: This five-star movement, they're not pro-austerity, they're— Certainly not, but unfortunately, Prime Minister Renzi wasn't either. The Italian referendum is interesting, uh, as a cautionary tale. particularly for political scientists or journalists that like to speak about the rise of populism as an unstoppable historical trend. Uh, If I think about the Italian referendum story, Mr. Renzi lost, not because he was opposing, you know, a historical trend, uh, but because he made lots of strategic mistakes mistakes on the way uh, to the referendum. Um, The Italian referendum was about a constitutional reform. The constitutional reform was not uh, per se dramatic, was not revolutionary one way or another. I think intellectually honest people may disagree about the fact it could be beneficial to go ahead with this reform or not, uh, but they will agree on the fact that the reform was minimal, was just an incremental change. What happened was that Mr. Renzi tried uh, to campaign as a populist leader himself, He tried to be the anti-establishment establishment establishment guy, but he has been prime minister for three years, so he was not very credible in that. And paradoxically, the Five Star Movement campaign next to him, he was joining forces with Mr. Berlusconi, that they would consider the most corrupt man on earth. They were campaigning with Mr. D'Alema, who was prime minister in the late 90s. They were campaigning with Mr. Demita, who was prime minister in the late 80s. So the anti-establishment forces were actually working together with the most establishment forces. I think the Italian referendum had a lot to do with small political mistakes or big political mistakes uh, that Mr. Renzi committed during his tenure. Um, As such, I think it teaches us uh, that populism is certainly an important phenomenon, but it signals, first and foremost, a failure of the leadership in European countries that go together with a failure to provide people with opportunity for economic growth. These are the problems we should be tackling with, not so much populism that sometimes may be just a misleading label or an empty word.
0: We have seen uh, liberalism in uh, Brazil, in in some other countries uh, in Latin America that that seem to have a lot of juice, a lot of steam behind them. What are the hopes for the rise, again, of liberalism in European countries in the near term?
1: I think we need to watch out for France, surprisingly. In the primary election on the rise in France... François Fillon has emerged as the candidate. Fillon is no libertarian, but when it comes to his economic agenda, is the closest thing to a free market conservative France perhaps ever had um, since the beginning of the 20th century. He is proposing to cut public spending substantially, He's advocating market liberalization. Of course, he has plenty of features that are not very liberal in the classical sense. He's a strong Catholic. He's a cultural conservative. When it comes to his economic agenda, which is, uh, you know, after all, uh, the juice of a political campaign, I think is pretty credible and is putting forward a kind of agenda that France has never seen before. He is credited to be the likely winner of the presidential election. We never know this day with pollsters. Uh, But interestingly enough, on the left, there is a new party emerging, which is led by Mr. Macron, a former minister of finance. And Mr. Macron was himself, you know, a strong advocate of liberalization by French standards. That's kind of new. And I think, in a way, you know, the fact that if you look at the Political field in the incoming presidential election in in France, you see more advocates of liberalisation than fans of Thomas Piketty, tells you something about the fact that you know many many years of sluggish economic growth are calling for bold answers uh, to the economic problem of of today. So I think France is is really the country we need to watch for now.
0: Presumably, if these. Uh populist groups in European countries do better, they'll, have, they'll be held to account for what has been fairly uh, sluggish economic growth. Of course, uh, unemployment's very high in Italy. Uh, GDP growth has been very slow across the
1: Eurozone, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, will they be held to account? Well, it depends, you know, what kind of prominence they reach in government. Um, when it comes to some of this group, um, the tricky thing is that they propose to do away with economic growth. I mean, the Five Star Movement in Italy is preaching degrowth. I mean, they want uh, negative growth as a way, you know, to go back to. Uh, whatever, you know, a better life for our human souls or something like that. This is extremely dangerous uh, also from an educational standpoint. I mean, in a way, uh, the success of this party also signaled the fact that you got a a substantial number of people in the population that are okay with forgetting, you know, uh, with simply considering economic growth no longer a possibility for Europe. I don't know why this is happening. My rough guess is that this has something to do with aging population. Aging populations tend to have lower growth rates on the one hand, uh, but also aging population are clearly context in which the politics of nostalgia uh, can find you know, a much, much more fertile ground.
0: Alberto Mingardi is director general of Istituto Bruno Leone, Italy's free market think tank, Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.